As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up. You're listening to the Topic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Good afternoon and evening and morning to everybody. This uh, I use those phrases because it's tomorrow in Australia, regardless of when you hear this. Uh, but also sometimes time is an eternal and man-made construct as well. And we're going to chat um, with uh, Dr. Jimmy Jones about really something that's on our heart, I think on many people's hearts, mind and soul, because we're entering this period of uh, peace, peace on earth, good, goodwill toward women, children and men. And that we've heard that mantra for several decades, several eons, but it seems to me that it's really as pertinent as we talk about move from this uh, Native American holiday to, to the Christmas season to Hanukkah. It's really just fascinating that people are gonna be celebrating but also people are dying as we speak and as you might be listening to this. So Dr. Jimmy Jones was kind enough to kind of weigh in and kind of talk to us for about 50 or so minutes and we're going to have a dialogue about the this Middle East crisis. And again, de- depending on your historical historical and her historical perspective, it's been going on for decades and centuries. And I, I hope I somewhat laugh, but it also is reason for quiet crying and lamentation but 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 dr jones good morning afternoon evening to you how you doing uh, good man thanks for taking the time to kind of kind of share with us and and uh i could spend 55 minutes with your with your background in terms of hampton and you know divinity school and black coalition and islamic university and teaching uh a little bit busy yeah at, at manhattan uh uh and just being a really good, good, good so- soldier and servant here uh, on the planet for your, I won't, I won't put you on blast in terms of the number of years that are that are embodied in that beard that you wear, but but let, let's just say that you've been, you've been around for a few for a few decades. So let's let's jump let's jump right in. I've decided to dedicate my December shows to this Middle East situation. Um, not that that our shows might solve the problem, but I'm so convinced that we just need to say if not set the historical record straight, weigh in on on what this historical narrative might be, not just for us, but for the future generations. This is a, a historical moment, I think, even that, that is tantamount to World War One, World War II, World War, I won't say World War III, uh, but it, it, it's a and crisis is a is, is an understatement. So, so so Dr. Jones, weigh in, and we have about 55 minutes, and so there's no particular script that you have to follow, but given your experience, and also I, I, I want to just mention before you start talking, You've made at least, I mean, correct me here, here I do want you to correct me, at least 10, 15 trips to the Middle East? Uh, about that, uh, maybe a little less, maybe seven to 10, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you. this is not just a, a, a cognitive conjecture on your part. You have been involved with this issue, not to mention your Islamic university. So so let, let's kick in. That's enough for my, my soliloquy. I'm just glad to see you and let, let's hear from you. Uh, I think... Uh, this all of this is a matter of perspective and understanding history. And uh, the first time I remember uh, a connection to the Middle East, and we'll we'll see how old you are here, Mm -hmm. 
is the song Exodus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sung by none other than Pat Boone. Uh, this land is mine. God gave this land to me. And 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 the song was based on Leon Uris's uh, novel uh, Exodus, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, from a very early age, I, re- I was raised in Roanoke, Virginia. I was trying to read everything in the library. And this book, Exodus, was one of the books. And this uh, song, Exodus, became a number one uh, hit in the United States with Pat Boone singing mm. very Christian, right? Not Jewish, right? And it's, it's a song that stuck with me all of these years, right? Mm. This land is mine, God gave this land to me, this brave and ancient uh, land to me. Though I'm just a man with you right by my side, with the help of God, I know that I can be strong. I mean, this was emblazoned on me. Mm. Where, you know, th- these words are part of who I am as a person. That's number one. Number two, uh, my aunt and uncle, Aunt Birth and Uncle John, who spent most of their adult life in Brooklyn, New York, in a relatively small storefront church. The only trip that I know that they ever made out of the United States was to Jerusalem. Mm. And this is a, a black inner city storefront church. And that, and I, I can remember again as a young boy, and n- nothing about politics. This was all within a religious construct in mm-hmm. in the African American community. And you know how black churches get together; they they go on trips. Well, they they went to Jerusalem. I don't know how they got there. This is quite a while ago, mm-hmm. um, but the, the, I know it was the only trip they ever made outside of that. So, in the African American psyche, right? Jerusalem looms large, right? Even today, if you go to black, you know, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, there's a dance going on too, named Jerusalem. Right, right. Yeah. So, so it looms large as both a a cultural uh, icon and a religious construct, right? Mm -hmm. Because for, for, for my aunt and uncle, this was a pilgrimage. To Jerusalem. For Pat Bone going there, there's a video on YouTube of him standing there. It's a pilgrimage because uh, Pat Boone is Christian. So why do I start there? Because uh, I think part of the problem with how people are looking at what's going on in the Middle East is lack of context, right? Mm-hmm. Lack of history, lack of understanding that this conflagration did not begin on October 7th. It began long before. And I'm not going to, uh, l- let me just say that it's not my intent to argue with the various arguments that are put out there. My intent is to try to educate people and get people to understand uh, what's going on there and why it should matter to us as people who live in this country. I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not uh, here to argue. So, so, so in terms of context, Jerusalem has been very important uh, uh, to uh, people in the United States for a very long time, long before the establishment of the state of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Long before. So uh, th- that's point number one. Point number two is that, uh, and I have to say this, uh, that the the leaders of Hamas and the leaders of the, the Israeli government ought to understand that mutual infanticide is not a road to peace. Mm. 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 They, they, they have to understand. I mean, it just, I'm, I'm aghast, right? 
that one side would kill the other side's babies and, and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. With some notion that this is going to bring peace. Yes. And I, I, I just don't get it. You know, you kill my babies, I kill your babies. And in the in the case of Gaza, I think this is the fifth incursion since 2005. And so this is the fifth back and forth, tit for tat, except Israel usually goes tat, 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 tat. And this time they've gone tat, 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 tat. They've gone much higher than they've ever gone. And, you know, I, I just I just don't understand why these people, that is, again, the leaders of Hamas and the leaders of Israel, don't understand this. And that that it is, it is their people. And their their babies, their women, that suffer the most because of the decisions that they make. I, I understand uh, how people who feel oppressed would want revenge. I totally understand this. As you know, my son uh, Malik was killed by an East Haven police officer in 1997, mm-hmm. and I, the the, my, the first thing was a flash of anger. How could they? How could they take, kill my baby with my tax dollars? I, I'm I'm a guy who thinks about you know where where does the money come from you know, mm-hmm. and and people were urging me let's go to East Haven and tear it up and all this kind of stuff, but but oftentimes your first instinct is absolutely your worst, particularly mm-hmm. when you feel you're feeling like you're grieved. And again, this is the the, the second thing is that that like uh, and uh, the interesting thing about it. At the beginning, uh, the United States government was saying to the government of Israel, you should take a pause because we didn't take a pause in Afghanistan and look what happened to us. They literally were saying this at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, this is like, uh, when will people ever learn? Because the reality is, is that once you go down the revenge road, it's like, I kill your babies. You can, it, it takes a long time. Yes. Uh, to end. And uh, I, I think that's the saddest part of it, is that the average person uh, in Israel and the average Palestinian had no say in the decision on October 7th and had no say in the decision on October 8th. You follow me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And But who's suffering the most? Who's 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 the, has the most anxiety? Who's losing their babies? Of course, the Palestinians are losing it more, but the Israelis are under siege, really. I mean, uh, I've, I've been there, as you said, and there's a certain unease in Israel, right? As there is, I've been to, I've never been to Gaza. I tried to go to Gaza, and they, they wouldn't let me in. That's a, another long story. But I've been to the West Bank. I, I have uh, students that I've taught in Manhattanville College who are from the West Bank. Uh, I have uh, a very dear friend. Uh, a doctor uh, who was born in Jabalia uh, refugee camp in Gaza, and every every time I watch Al Jazeera a lot uh, in order to educate myself because the the the, the American news outlets just uh, they let me down in terms of helping us to understand what's going on. But every time I hear Jabalia refugee camp, I think about Dr. Isaldine Abulaish, who's mm. a friend of mine who lost uh, three daughters, right, and a niece on in the 2009 incursion. Mm. 
and this story is worth telling so so many people don't understand it. Uh, what happened is that uh, he was literally he's a he's a medical doctor, he's a college professor and he was and he was literally in 2009 he was talking to his daughters about moving from Gaza to Toronto. Mm-hmm. They were literally just talking about it in 2009. And this is just after uh, the historic election of of Barack Hussein Obama. And he walked out of the room. They were talking about this. And an Israeli tank shot shells in the room. Mm. And in an instant, three of his daughters and one niece were killed. Dr. Isabdeen is a medical doctor. He's an OBGYN, well-renowned medical doctor, a professor, right? You know, just imagine being in his situation, being about 10 feet away from where his daughters were killed. Mm. And then you walk in, right? You walk in the room and your daughter's brains are on the ceiling. SubhanAllah. You know, this is like... Well, what what is this? I mean, and at, at first the government said, the government said that, oh, no, there was a sniper there. And then they changed the story. No, there wasn't a sniper there. And uh, long story short, he he, he ultimately sued them. Uh, but, but the thing to understand about Dr. Isaldine Abulaish is that in spite of literally being within feet, a few feet of his daughter, when they were killed, by the occupying force. I mean, they don't like being called occupiers, but that's what they are. Uh, even Ariel Sharon, who was a prime minister of uh, of um, of Israel and a war hero, called it occupation before he had a stroke. He had a stroke and died. He mm-hmm. called it an occupation. So, if a war hero, Israeli war hero, and a war uh, a prime minister would call it occupation. We don't, somehow we're wrong because we're outsiders to call it occupation. And so the occupying forces, they did this. And Dr. Isadine Abulaish, I mean, uh, he, he, he reminds me of uh, Ibrahim, Abraham, right? Mm-hmm. That whom, whom the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians revere, his willingness to sacrifice his son, you see? Mm-hmm. And why, why does it remind me of this? Is that... Literally, with the blood of his daughters on his shirt, he was talking about, first of all, he said, Ya Allah, he called out to God. A lot of people would curse God in these situations, in these circumstances. This is not the Palestinian people. The Palestinian people, if you if you listen to them, you know any Arabic, you'll know they're saying, Alhamdulillah, all praise be God. They're saying, La ilaha Allah, there's no God but God. When they're literally digging in the rubble trying to find their babies, they call on God first. And Dr. Isadine Abulaish, he did this. And then the, the, the next thing he did, actually, actually, uh, for your viewers, you just go on Google and you just put in his name, Isadine I Z Z E L Izel. Uh, I always misspell his first name. His last name is Abulaish, A B U E L A I S H. And you will see his reaction because at the moment this happened, this is the kind of guy he was. The, 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 as, as, as in this case, the Israelis were not letting the press in, 
right? They weren't letting the press in. And so he was literally reporting from Gaza in his house. He was on the t- local TV when the Israeli Defense Forces killed his babies. And so you can see it. And you can see what he said. The first thing he says was, Ya Allah, oh God, right? Why why did they kill my children? I'm a, I'm a person of peace. There, we're, there's no threat here. I mean, this is what he's saying. When a lot of us would be cursing because mm. Mm. Our, our children are died. This is what he's saying. And then he, and, you know, he had children who were injured there. It wasn't just killed. And you can see him afterwards, afterwards with blood, literally the blood of his children on his shirt, mm. him walking with a surviving daughter, trying to get her to an ambulance. And, and uh, it, you know, you can, you can go online and see this story. And then this happens in 209. And then I, I had met Dr. Abulation in the late uh, uh, 1990s, mashallah, and we bonded right away. You know, he'd come to Manhattanville to speak about Gaza, and he'd come to speak with uh, some Jewish associates of him whom I came to know. But my point about this, and then I, that's how I got to go to try to go to Gaza. They wouldn't even let me in back then. The point I'm making about this is that uh, the the Palestinian people I know, I don't know people that I know to be Hamas. I don't know if I've ever met them. I probably have when I've been there. But the Palestinian people I've taught, the Palestinian people that I have sat with, that I've uh, I've dined with, Ramallah is on the West Bank. I've had I've dined with uh, a Palestinian student of mine in the West Bank. Are some of the most resilient, educated people in the world. They're not animals. They're not, and they don't deserve to die like this. Mm. They're not animals. I'm sorry. And and the resilience you can see now, and you can see resilience personified in Dr. Isaldine Abulash, because in 2012, I believe, let's see, 2009, this happened, he wrote a book the title of this book, after all of this pain, and remember, Dr. Abulash was born in a refugee camp. He was born in a refugee. Jabalia, every time you hear that the Israelis have bombed Jabalia, you should think of Dr. Abu Abulash, because when he begins a speech, he comes and speaks at colleges, He's, he can catch him on CNN, can catch him. he preaches about peace and coexistence, but he 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 starts by saying often, not always, my name is Isaldine Abulash. I was born in Jabalia, proudly, a proud Palestinian. He was born in a refugee camp. I was born in Jabalia refugee camp. There's some of the most resilient people I know. So he wrote a book. The name of the book was not Damn Israel or The Hell with the Israelis. The name of the book is and I recommend it to you to your listeners, you know, the people watching here, was I shall not hate. Mm. Mm. That's why it reminds me of Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him. I shall not hate. In spite of being born in a refugee camp, having to deal with the stresses of strains of living under occupation, he went to school. 
Uh, there's a little known fact about the Palestinians. So the uh, literacy rate in the United States of America is like 99%, right? The literacy rate in the state of Israel is like 97%. Now, under occupation, the literacy rate of Palestinians is 96%. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. These are people who literally, because I visited a couple of the of the uh, colleges and universities when I was there. These are people who, when they get up in the morning to go to school, they don't know whether they're going to get there or not for two reasons. Number one, the, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, might set up a checkpoint that makes it so difficult to get there that they never get to school. Or number two, the Israeli Defense Forces, or if you live on the West Bank now, you may be attacked by people who are under international law, illegal settlers, mm. under international law. Again, I'm not trying to be controversial here. What I'm saying is factual, and I'm not trying to make Israelis bad and Palestinians good. I And I know some Israelis, right? Like, uh, I know some Israelis who were fighting who uh, who were fighting for the rights of Palestinians. For instance, on October 7th, uh, October 7th, a, a woman, her last name was Silver, I believe, who established an organization called Women, Women Wage Peace, mm-hmm. right? And what did she do? The purpose of the organization was to bring Palestinians and uh, Palestinian women and Israeli women to think about ways to work for peace. Yes. That was the purpose of the organization. And this woman, uh, she used to ferry Palestinian cancer patients from Gaza to the checkpoint because you couldn't get into Jerusalem without getting out. I've been through the the checkpoint. It's, it's, uh, there's no other word, but a a humiliating experience. If you read Dr. Abulash's book, Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see it. It's a humiliating experience. And he's a medical doctor. He was going into Jerusalem to 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 for his residency. And he had to go through this humiliating because understand, no disrespect to 18 year olds. But uh, oftentimes these checkpoints, these are young, young Israelis, 18 to 20 years old. And uh, I don't know about you, but at 18 years old, I wasn't just I wasn't very mature. <laughs> just, just wasn't, and and the sciences is that you're not, and so you, that these are the people you meet at the checkpoints. I mean, when when I I flew into Tel Aviv, these are the people who interrogated me, mm-hmm. uh, and one time I got turned around and sent back. But my my point about this is that this woman, uh, Miss Silver, she used to ferry cancer patients mm-hmm. from Gaza to Jerusalem. Right. And this was not an easy thing to do, because it, it, even if even if you're not Palestinian, if you're with a Palestinian, suspicion falls on you. Mm. I uh, one one time my uh, wife and I were in Jerusalem uh, and we wanted to use a Palestinian car service. We want to use a Muslim car service mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to the Israeli jitney. Right. So, you know. Use this costume, but if uh, and we've done both. We've been in Israeli jitney. They stop you and they ask for everybody's ID, right? 
that's what they do. I mean, they're security conscious. When we and so that would happen with the jitney, and they let everybody go. When I when I rode, tried to go to Tel Aviv Airport uh, in a uh, Palestinian-driven taxi, they uh, they they had us get out. They looked under the uh, hood. They have these uh, mirrors where they look under, mm-hmm. and they 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 made the taxi. There were two of them. They made them strip. They strip searched them. This is this is humiliating. These are not these are not people who are quote known terrorists. These are Palestinians trying to make a living. I understand the mentality because I I've, I'd also walked the streets of Jerusalem years before, where uh, suicide bombers had gotten on buses and blew up everybody on the bus. Mm-hmm. Let let me just be clear here, as a Muslim, and I've said this to. Israeli groups, I've said this to uh, to Arab groups, I've said this to Palestinian groups, I've said this to to non to uh, the other groups. I don't. There's nothing in my understanding of Islam that calls for getting on a school bus and blowing up everybody, or walking into an ice cream parlor. This is what they used to do before they built the wall. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or walking into an ice cream parlor. This is, these are uh, Palestinian suicide bombers. Or walking into an ice cream parlor where a family is there trying to buy ice cream for their kid. I don't see anything in my in my religion that supports this. And I, I uh, I'm a professor of comparative religion, right? Uh, what I know of Judaism, and I have many Jewish associates. I know of nothing in Judaism that supports what's going on as we speak. Mm. I I don't know. I don't know how people justify this. You know, as a it's not only as a Jew and as a Muslim, but as a human being, helpless babies and in incubators. As a human being, on that Saturday morning, when the Hamas went into households. I've watched the stories of 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 of, of young Jewish children as young as there's, there's a there is a uh, a hostage as long young as three years old. Mm-hmm. I know of nothing in Islam, uh, me, and I don't. I'm really not an Islamic scholar, but I know a bunch. But I know nothing of Islam that contones the kind of behavior that went on. I, I don't know about the extreme behavior that people talked about, but just going through from house to house and murdering people and burning people. I don't, I don't know what it is, who are clearly a three-year-old is definitely a non-combatant. There, mm-hmm. We have rules of engagement, just like the international rules of engagement. Muslims have rules of engagement. A three-year-old? Seriously. And so uh, back to Dr. Isaline Abulash, extraordinary human beings, right? He wrote a book called I Shall Not Hate. That's number one. Then number two, he set up a a foundation called Daughters for Life in memory of his three daughters. Mm. Daughters for Life. What is the purpose of this foundation? The purpose of this foundation is to provide educational opportunity for young Middle Eastern women, right? Because he feels that if there were more educated women 
who were in leadership, we wouldn't have this kind of brutality. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm in his camp. Mm-hmm. I'm in his camp. And so there's been, been since uh, 2012, I believe, uh, uh, more than 30 young women have come from the Middle East to the United States and Canada. Uh, and some of them came to Manhattanville College, where I was, to study because uh, this is this is what he did with his grief. This is what he did with his anger. He didn't mm-hmm. he didn't go and get a bunch of people and try to shoot up Israelis. He he tried to make women strong. By the way, he meant Middle Eastern women, which it could include Israeli women, but they don't apply. He meant Middle Eastern women. He didn't mean just Arab. He didn't mean just Muslim. You know, he meant Middle Eastern women, right? And so, and and because when you, as you know, uh, Tom, when you come up in a racist, brutal situation, there's a possibility that you become so embittered that you're no longer, your heart, your heart is no longer focused, right? But that's not, that's not what happened with Dr. Isaldine Abulaish. He wrote a book called I Shall Not Hate. He set up a foundation called Daughters for Life. And he goes around speaking to everybody who listens, Jewish, Muslim, uh, people who are atheists. And he argues for peace. He argues for peace, particularly in his home, his homeland, right? Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. Palestine, but be- between people. And so my point is that for me, uh, the, the the Palestinian people, that, that Dr. Abulash is just an example of the people I met when I went to Palestine. I mean, I'd be walking down the steps into the old city, uh, into toward uh, Al Quds, which is uh, is a holy uh, uh, place that Muslims pray, and I'd meet Palestinians, and they'd ask me where I'm from. I'm from the United States of America, and a couple of them gave me their phone number. And you know what they said to me? And I understand these are people under occupation, right? And they have to they have to have checkpoints to get to get into. To, to this very holy place to pray. They say, if you ever need any help, call me. I say, mm. seriously, dude? <laughs> mm. I said, seriously? And he was serious. He was serious. Mm-hmm. If you ever need any help. I mean, so the, the, the Palestinians I know, I don't know all of them. They're resilient, right? And they're educated, I mean, that is, to me, it is amazing that they have a 96% literacy rate under those circumstances. Yes, yes. Under those circumstances. This is the people who, as we would say in the Black community, who have their eyes on the prize. Mm. Right? They're not, I mean, and again, I, I watch NewsHour all the time, and they'll interview somebody uh, they, they, they'll stay again. They'll start with God. They, they say, they, but they'll say, "Where's the United States?" Right? They, they'll say it in Arabic. Where's the United States? Where are the Western countries? Don't you see? Look, look. And the, uh, these babies are dying here. Where, where is your humanity? And 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 they'll say something. Like, but God will take care of this. Subhanallah. Mm. So this this is this is a perspective obviously you don't hear, right? Because you, you have you have uh, I'm, I'm going to try to be as nice as I can to the leadership of Hamas 
Hamas and the United States and Israel. I put them all in the same box. I'm sorry. You know, people can say, well, the 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 Palestinians are are oppressed, but the, uh, I, 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 there's a concept that I developed called the post-victimization ethical exemption syndrome, mm-hmm. right? That is that the idea that because your people have been oppressed or are being oppressed, that all the ethical things that you profess to follow, you know, you throw them out the window. This is what I think the leadership of Israel is doing. And this is what I think the leadership of Hamas is doing. Because as Jews and Muslims, there's certain ethical principles they're supposed to follow. And they're not following. I'll say that. I'll be so bold and say they're not following them. I, you know, tell me how this is something that you can justify as a Jew. Tell me this is something you can justify as a Muslim. And so and I call it the post-victimization ethical exemption syndrome. And so because of, because of the syndrome, you will deflect, you will, you will rationalize, you will, you will make the most outrageous arguments in defense of what you're doing. You kill 5,000 babies and you say Israel has the right to defend itself. You slaughter children in their beds and you say Hamas has the right to defend itself. That's what people say. You slaughter children in their beds. And then you say, I mean, it, I, I gave up cursing a long time ago, but every time I hear uh, 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 somebody from Hamas say this or somebody who's Israeli say this, I said, what the hell is wrong with these people? Mm-hmm. We're, this is not about being a Jew or Muslim, a Democrat or Republican. This is about where in the hell is your humanity if you think that your road to freedom is to slaughter babies in their bed? Where do you get that from? Or your road to security is the bomb hospitals where you know they're premature babies. What? What is wrong with you? So, so for me, the Palestinians are some of the most resilient people, and they're some of the most educated people. And um, I, as as you well know, the uh, Israeli tens of thousands of Israelis were disaffected by the government. Again, this is factual. We're 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 not happy with the leadership in uh, Israel before this thing jumped off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just sad. Uh, and this is, I mean, I'm trying not to be political because for me, this is not a political issue. This is a humanitarian issue. Are you a human being or are you not? Mm-hmm. Are you for slaughtering babies in their bed as Hamas did on September 7th or not? Are you for slaughtering premature babies or are you not, right? You know, let's let's make the distinction here. And so this is not about Democrat, Republican, American, Jewish. This is about where is your humanity? I just, it, it takes my breath away, like I said, that people rationalize the most outrageous acts and, and try to justify it and try to say that what they're doing just. But it's even worse that my government takes my money and supports it. I'm saying, what 
I mean, I, I I don't understand the president of the 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 world's uh, leading democracy going into a war zone. I don't understand that. First of all, that I don't understand because usually presidents don't fly into war zones. Mm-hmm. That was extraordinary, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to fly into a war zone and support a government that has made racist statements like they're animals, racist statements like we're going to flatten Gaza. These are, these, are, these are public statements that the government made in the wake of what, what happened. I don't understand it. Joe Biden is supposed to be a sympathetic person. I don't get it that you can say things like there are no red lines. And you're a Catholic? You call yourself a practicing Catholic? You know, I can't, I can't measure my own religion, much less somebody else's religion. But I, I just don't get it. So, so I, I think we, as human beings, as human beings, are an inflection point. And one of these points, you know, one of, one of the things that points to this inflection point is how we're handling Gaza. Mm-hmm. There are other places like, like Yemen is another place, right, where Muslims are starving Muslims. Because for me, this is not about whether you're a Christian, Muslim, Jew, or Democrat, Republican, American. But I mean, one of the worlds before this, before this event, Yemen was uh, called by the United Nations the world's worst humanitarian crisis before this. And you and visited, I think, you visited yeah. there, or you, you, I haven't been to Yemen. No, I thought you were. Okay. Yeah. So it's. I mean, so this is my take. You know, I'm, I'm gnashing, wailing, and gnashing of teeth every day, hoping that something's going to happen, that somebody in will come to. And people are coming to the senses. People are resigning right and left, literally. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't do this anymore. And the people who are leading the charge against this kind of thinking in the United States are young Jewish people. Yes. Dr. Jones, let's take the next, perhaps the next 10 minutes or so and address some of your students that you've seen, that you've known, that you you hope that the young, for the young generation, I mean, because this will be their dilemma to hopefully solve it. it won't be. Uh, but if, as a doctor, uh, as a teacher, you're now with the Islamic University, what do you, what, what do you want to say for another five or 10 minutes to to the students, to the young minds, because they're they're growing up under this. You and I have, you and I are AARP eligible. We've been right, around the tra- right. been around the yeah, track yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what about, about the young people? What do you want to say to them? What I what I tell them, you know, I tell my current students, and I tell my my former students, who uh, who uh, I taught at Manhattanville, some of which uh, from Egypt and. Um, some are living in other countries because they left Egypt because of the regime there. I, I said, you are our hope for the future. Why? Mm. Because you are bicultural. Mm. You understand the because Middle East Middle East culture is very different from American culture. And I and by Middle East I include Israel. They want to, you know, Israel. I mean, this kind of revenge-minded thinking. Is not, you know, this is not just Israel. There's, uh, you know, 
uh, Muslim Arab countries have this kind of thing as well. So I, I said to them, uh, I said, you're bicultural, which means that you can speak the language and understand the culture of both the so-called East and the so-called West. And so I think you are primed to be bridge builders between the two, right? And in a sense, I, I have to go back to my friend, Dr. Isadine Abulaish. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's an example of that, right? Uh, he's a bridge builder because he was educated. Well, he was educated in Egypt, really. But he came here and he got a, a master's at Harvard. And he he's by culture. He, he understands American culture, even though he was born overseas. I mean, it needs this kind of person to bridge the gap because uh, people are so busy othering hmm. People, it's because you're black, you're other. Because you're Muslim, you're other. Because you're you 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 are Mexican, you're other. And it it if people need to be able to see through all of these, uh, all of these things and see humanity. I mean, uh, and 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 I I don't know if you read this book. There's a there's a book called I'm, I'm a bibliophile, so I have a book for everything that I would recommend to young people, uh, right. well, no matter where they're from. Uh, uh, better, not bitter. Mm. Is by uh, Yusuf, Doctor Yusuf Salam, mm-hmm. who was one of the Central Park Five, who was unjustly accused. He was 15 years old, man. Yes, 15 years old, and they railroaded him. There's no question about it. They railroaded him, mm-hmm. but because of his faith. This is Muslim, yeah, you know. Well, this is faith. He was determined not to be bitter. Determined. He took the story of Joseph, which again, Jews, Muslims, and Christians. Yeah? He mm-hmm. took the story of Joseph, the young man who was betrayed by his family, sold into slavery, lied upon by the 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 the, 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 the leader's wife. And he always called on God. I mean, this is the point. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna call people back to God. Mm-hmm. He always called on God first to help to give him strength to have this. And so my message to these young people is that now that you're bicultural, that you understand the culture, and this is what again is the Abulation is trying to get these young women to do. They come to the United States, some of them stay here, some of them go back, there are a few have gone back, become doctors, and some stay here in the United States. I think that's part of our hope mm. that people have seen, have seen so-called both sides, and understand how badly humanity can go wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they've seen it from the the underside. And I, I I would say never let anybody treat you less than a human being. Never ever. There's a there's a a, a Holocaust survivor. Uh, two quick examples. Holocaust survivor named Hetty Epstein. Uh, she uh, was a Holocaust survivor and the person who, she survived the Holocaust. And because she survived the Holocaust, she was a champion of Palestinian rights. Mm. Right? This is her words, right? And she used to go around before she died. She would, she would go around and she would, she would talk to young people, Right? And she would end most of her speeches with three pieces of advice. Number one, don't be a bystander. If you got some power in a situation 
and you're seeing people being uh uh if you if you see people being abused, don't be a bystander. Mm. Number two, study history. Right? So you can understand the context of what you see in front of you. Mm-hmm. Right? And number three, don't hate. Mm. Mm. This is Martin Luther King, right? Mm. This is Martin Luther King, right? You know, he said... Hate scars the soul of the person who hates, right? It, it, it scars your soul, right? This is what he, this, this is what he used to, used to preach. So the, 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 I, I would give that advice to him. Don't be a bystander. Yes. yes. Study history and whatever you do, no, no matter what happens, don't hate. And I'm, I'm glad you, you referenced the, uh, the, the gentleman from the, Central Park Five. He's recently elected to the New York City, City Council. Council. Yeah, uh, let's let's spend if we can five minutes just so people will know that you're you're raising the the prophetic voice. But also, um, we may not be in our winter of our life, but not quite sure how many more winters we're going we're going to see. But you don't know. But your involvement with the university, the Islamic University, I want people to kind of understand that you're planting those seeds and sharing your your wisdom, your expertise, your experience. With, uh, with folks that want to make this world a better place. Right. So the Islamic Seminary of America, uh, we, we talk about the three R's. Uh, number, the first R is that we're rooted in our religious tradition. Again, remember I said about the Palestinians, the first thing you do is you call on God. So, so whatever you do, is it has to be within those boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. The secondly is that we are contextually relevant. We're not going to just deal with something that happened a thousand years ago or a hundred years ago or 50 years ago. We're going to deal with what's going on, what people are dealing with right here, right now. Mm. The third uh, is rigorous. We're academically rigorous. That what we try to get people to do is to think critically. As, as Malcolm X said, famously said, the best thing you can learn to do is think for yourselves. I believe if people, you know, have an ethical code, I believe if people have an understanding of history, I believe if they're taught to think rigorously, the world is going to be a better place. Mm. It's going to be a better place. Not that I try to indoctrinate them. Unfortunately, I got to say this, that a lot of what goes on in colleges and universities is is indoctrination. Mm. Right? It's, It's like... It's 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 the uh, the oppressed group du jour, you know whatever oppressed group that that university favors. I mean that's why, by the way, universities like uh, Harvard are getting in such trouble because somehow they think their role is to make statements for or against the group. I, I at the Islamic Center of America, uh, we have not made any statements on Gaza. We made no statements about George Floyd in spite of the fact it had pretty close to me, home for me, because the mm. police officer killed. And what's the rationale here? Is because when you wade into the thick of these things, it doesn't solve any problems as an mm-hmm. educational institution. What our job is, is to give people the tools to stand up unapologetically against what's wrong. Mm. That's our role. They should stand up no matter, no matter, this is, this is you know, uh, 
uh, at, uh, up at Harvard uh, outside the the law school library. Uh, they they have quotations from um, uh, from lawgivers, right? The, the standards of law, and one of the quotations is uh, a chapter from chapter four, uh, one thirty five of the Quran, mm. right? Oh, you believe? Stand out for justice as witnesses to God, even if it's against your self mm. Mm. or your parents or the rich or the poor. I'm paraphrasing. Mm. But my point is that the kind of education that people ought to be getting in college and seminaries uh, is an education that calls people as Ibrahim, as Abraham, prophet Abraham did with, you know, famously with his fathers and the people of his time who would stand up and say, I'm sorry, dad, that's wrong. You know, that's wrong. So mm. that's my message to folks that that's, that's how we should try to raise our children. That's how we try, should try to educate folks. Right. That, uh, uh as, uh, Malcolm X famously said at the end, end of, uh, end of his autobiography, he said, I'm for truth, no matter who speaks it. I'm for justice, no matter if for or against. I'm a human being, first and foremost. And as such, I'm for whomever or whatever benefits humanity as a whole. Let's, let's conclude on that, on that note that's so, so important and profound. Dr. Jones, thank you. Thank you. Thank you immensely. Thank and, you for the opportunity. And we'll do it again. All right. See you Bye. soon, neighbor. All right. Take care. All right. All right. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment, you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah. You're listening to the Toxic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio.